Hello and welcome to Game & Watch, the show where we talk about games we have been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I'm Aaron. <laughs> I'm James. We're feeling very militant today. I was going to say we're here just not using contractions today. We are not. Welcome to Game & Watch. Game & Watch. Uh, and today on Game & Watch, uh, we are talking about the 2009 comedy, I would argue dark comedy. Oh, very dark world's greatest dad written and directed by bobcat goldweight and starring robin williams yeah the militant thing has nothing to do with the tone of this movie oh no not really no that that was a complete um adventure you just went i've had too much coffee yeah maybe maybe you have yeah (laughs) would you say this is the darkest movie we've ever done for the show this is, I would argue, the darkest content uh, we've done for the podcast thus far. Yeah, yes. I suppose maybe we should put like a, a disclaimer here that we are going to be talking about suicide. Yes. And this comedy does, I wouldn't say it makes light of suicide. We'll get to this in a little bit, but I feel like it kind of treats its subject matter with an odd amount of sensitivity, despite being as dark of a comedy as it is. Yeah, it, it doesn't make yeah, it doesn't make a joke out of suicide, but it definitely uses suicide as a plot device. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but want to say that up front. Absolutely. Um you brought this to us, you, you <laughs> rascal. <laughs> I did. Um so I, I don't even remember how this came up. I, I really don't remember why I remembered this movie. I think I've always, well, I own it on Blu-ray. I bought it a long time ago when I was like just obsessed with buying movies. And I and I can't exactly recall when I first saw it, but I think my, my friends and I had a film festival when we, when we were in college. And I can't remember if this was something that someone brought to the table or if it was just something I came across through a friend, like word of mouth. Either way, I saw it pretty soon after it came out and thought it was hilarious and laughed so hard. I cried multiple times. I did not this time, but I was watching it with friends before. And that probably made it something I responded to more physically um, at the, at the time. Um, But Um, I'm sure sure you can imagine, um, you know, a group of a group of guys just cracking up at this movie. It's the kind of movie and we'll kind of get into some of the, you know, as we said, dark content, but it's the kind of movie where things happen and it really benefits from being able to kind of turn to someone next to you and be like, oh, shit. Or like, wait, yeah. what? They said that? Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of they said that moments and, and actually some of them aren't too great, but I just remember being very surprised. I went in expecting like a six out of 10, like five or six out of 10 movie that didn't quite land. Like, I mean, it, it has Robin Williams in it and he's really good. And I'm going to yes. I want to talk more about that. But like this, I think this is an extremely underrated performance by him. I think it's Agreed. very nuanced and, and it just I think that was my biggest takeaway from rewatching it. I, I very much enjoyed it. I, I don't think I had on a rewatch. I don't think I had seen it in about 10 years. And it really, I appreciated even more how good Robin Williams was as an actor. And, and he, I mean, it's not like that was, I was no stranger to him being good, a good actor, but the kind of sensitivity and depth that he brings to even these like lesser known films 
or characters that are very flawed is really astonishing. And I would recommend this movie to anyone who feels like they can handle dark comedy and who think Robin Williams is is a great actor, which I imagine there's very few people who think he's a, a bad actor. Um, no, but uh, you know. I think you're right because Robin Williams, uh, you you hear Robin Williams and you kind of think his kind of 10 out of 10 big bombastic performances. Uh, and as you said, this is not that. It is uh, not. This is much more subtle. This is up there with like his work in One Hour Photo, which I won't spoil right. that yes. movie if you see if you haven't seen it. I mean, I, I, it sounds like you have. I yes. to anyone who's listening. Um, I don't know, like Death to Smoochie. There's like a little bit of. Um, I mean, Robin Williams had like a dark edge, uh, and I, I I really like seeing that come out. Even though the darkness in this movie. It's weird, and we will talk about it a little bit more, but I find it so fascinating how nuanced this movie is. It could have been so easy to go for really cheap, I don't know, to really tackle this in a very cheap way, and I I don't feel like it does that. I feel like it's a lot smarter than maybe people at the time gave it credit for. I don't know. How do, how do you feel about it? This was your first uh... time watching it. Yeah, so my history with the film, recommended by you, I had never heard of it before, uh, which kind of surprised me because Robin Williams is a pretty big name. Um, but this is an independent film, right? I think so. Yeah. What What is shocking, we should give the context a little bit. If you would like to watch this film now, it is on Disney+. And when you're <laughs> searching Disney+, um, when you search World's Greatest Dad, the thumbnail pops up and it's, you know, bright font, you know, bright red font for the the words. And then it's Robin Williams kind of his his arms crossed, just looking like a frazzled dad. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's the kind of thing where an eight year old might see this and be like, oh, Robin Williams, the genie. I like him and click on it um, again. It's on Disney Plus. It's outrageous. I don't, I don't know how I don't know how Disney is like a OK with this. If, being on if I recall correctly. The marketing for this movie or like the posters were like this the entire time. So it's not like they like changed this and like right. made it suitable for Disney Plus. Like I think this has always been the kind of promotion for it. A little ambiguous, um, big like bubbly text. It it really does look like a kid's you movie. You think poster. it's like a six out of ten, like mediocre family comedy with Robin Williams. Like, like the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like the Shaggy Dog. God, imagine if the Shaggy Dog went as dark as this movie did. <laughs> it should have, I'd argue. So I watched this film for the first time, uh, and I watched it with Edgar. And uh, as we mentioned, I think this film is better seeing with someone because of kind of the uh, big twists and turns it takes. And, uh, you know, I'll save kind of my thoughts until we get to what works and what doesn't. But um, this was um, this <laughs> was, was not what I expected. <laughs> this was not I'm on the I edge expected. of my seat. <laughs> I, no. You have not texted me beforehand how you felt about this movie. You're really like leaving it um, for this episode. So I appreciate uh, I, that. But I'm also very anxious to, to hear what you think. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely glad that I saw this, though, because, uh, you know, Robin Williams, great actor, you know, we lost him too soon, unfortunately. And um, I, you know, I I will. This makes me want to rewatch one hour photo. I've never seen Death to Smoochie, uh, but I know it's also kind of in that very dark vein um, and kind of makes me want to watch that now to see his performance, because, um, again, he's he's a skilled actor. You know, yeah. there's 10 out of 10 Robin Williams, which a lot of people are familiar with, but. He had range. He had depth. Oh, my sure. God. Did he have range? Like I, There was nothing that he couldn't do. Yeah. 
And this is a, this is a great example of it. I, I I really do. That would put this up there in like my top five favorite Robin Williams performances without yeah, a doubt. But you're right that way under the radar. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. so under the radar. I, I really wish I remembered how I'd heard of it. I, I think it was word of mouth, but I'd love to know whoever told me about it. How do they find out? I just so. can't wait to be on Disney Plus and scrolling through, you know, how they do like the Star Wars collection yeah. or, you know, the Robin Williams collection. Yeah. And it's like, you know, <laughs> Aladdin and then this. They have to be like careful about this. I mean, I'm well, sure. for one, for Disney Plus, you can turn on and off mature yes. content. There's yeah age restrictions. But, you know, if, if you have like a because you liked Robin Williams kind of thing, <laughs> like, God. I don't know, it shouldn't appear there, but it probably does. So. I really found next to nothing of development, like nothing really interesting to say. Like I did like, uh, like even like more research than I typically do to try to find something. And I really, the only like tidbit I found that kind of remotely interests me was that I think uh, Bobcat Goldthwait was friends with Robin Williams and showed him the script and didn't really expect him to want to do it. But Robin Williams was like, so blown away. He was like, I, I want to do this. And that's kind of what made him want to really make the uh, Bobcat Goldthwait really want to make the movie. I'm um, glad they did. I'm really glad they did too. It's just not a. Um, I, I was. I, I had not been familiar with Bobcat Goldthwait before. I mean, I guess I. I had heard about him in in the context of stand up comedy. Yeah, I never really got him into him. Um, but I didn't know he had ever like dabbled in filmmaking in, in the slightest. Yeah, and that's something we should mention. He is both the writer and the director, uh, which yeah. I appreciate because, you know, that means that hopefully you're getting a singular vision. Yeah, and, and I think there was the next film that he made after this I, and because it was one of those things where I saw this and I was like, all right, I got to check out what he does next. And he did this film called God Bless America, which was similar. It was, it was, it was a satire, a dark comedy as well, and I thought it was much less effective. Um and it's hard to explain why, and I'm not, it's not a podcast about that movie, but I can't say I would recommend it. Um, this seems pretty singular in his filmography that said, he, I mean, he really isn't making anything else. I mean, he made a Bigfoot movie, uh, like a horror movie that I have not seen. Interesting. Um, I, I don't, I can't say I'm motivated to check it out, but um, I hear it's very, uh, very divisive. So. Anyway. Yeah. I really didn't find much um, about development. Uh, I did, Note that or I, I did find that the movie tanked the box office, but uh, some critics then and now have kind of done have found it and liked it. I mean, Roger Ebert reviewed it when it came out and gave it, I think, three stars, three, three or three and a half. And he I'm actually going to save. I was really delighted to read his review because he caught something this time that I also caught and. I mean, to, to to have noticed something that Ro or to have thought something that Roger Ebert thought made me feel uh, very proud of myself. Do I must admit, task. I, I I do, but the, then again, I, I mean, the man is unmatched. Um, I, I I am but an ant on his boot. Um, but I I was I was really interested to to see that he felt similarly about this that I did. Though I think I observed it not as a criticism. I think he might have been critical of it. I'll get into it in a little bit. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm curious to hear it. Yeah. So that's how we got here. Should we do the like quick and dirty about uh, what this kind of the general plot is? Uh, just sure. So there's some context. <laughs> sure. So this uh, do you want to do it? Uh, up to you. Uh, I mean, just I, I'll, I could start it. You could hop in, yeah. fill in any details. Um, so this is a movie a, about a struggling writer. 
uh, named, I think, Lance Clayton. Yes. Right? Yep. Who he is a poetry teacher at a high school. Um, his he's very his class is very unpopular. Uh, it stands in contrast with a uh, very handsome teacher who is teaching a creative writing class that is immensely uh, more popular. He is kind of secretly dating a teacher, uh, a younger teacher. Uh, I already forgot her name. Uh, yeah, um, unfortunately, I did as well. Um, but they, so they're kind of trying to keep their uh, relationship a secret. And he has an absolute shitbird of a son. <laughs> Like it, it understatement of the year, but also like the fact that this I'll dabble in what works, like the fact that this movie goes like 100 on her, his son being a piece of shit works very much in favor for the movie. I think. Yeah. And um, that actor, uh, his name escapes me, but Daryl Sabera, like, spy kids. Spy kids yeah. yeah. Spy kids. Very famous. Most famously, I would say from spy kids um, takes a big commitment to be this unlikable and he leans in and pulls it off. Yeah. And he's not like unlikable bully, unlikable. I mean, he is, he's an unlikable, unpopular kid at school because he's such a piece of he's shit. just a, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess we should say like what happens and kind of what kickstarts the the rest of the movie, right? I mean, this yeah, is spoilers yep. abound. It will it'll, it'll color more of like what we say later on. But um, his son, uh, to say the least, is addicted to porn, and he, the, he has many sexual proclivities. Yes. You know, not to not to yuck someone's yum, but uh, many of them are uh, perhaps you know not super palatable to most people. No, but what makes it so funny is he's the most obvious version of all time. Oh, and well, he yes. and he tries to like strut around like he's not, and he only has like one friend named Andrew. And so Kyle gets caught very early on by his dad. Uh, it's like the opening scene. Yeah, like autoerotic asphyxiating himself while, while masturbating. And, you know, he gets brushed off. Then a lot of things happen. And uh, eventually um, he uh, Lance walks in on Kyle um, having accidentally died doing that. Yes. Um, strangled himself to death. Yes. And so in what he does, what Lance does is he covers it up, makes it look like a suicide and writes his son's suicide note, which then through various means gets revealed to the public or revealed to the school. Right. And he does not intend for this. To he happen. does not intend for it to happen, but becomes extremely popular. And now seeing his writing get recognized, even though not as being written by him, he Lance decides to write an entire journal and put on this guise that his son was much more brilliant than he his actually brilliant, is. Tortured, tortured soul. soul. Yeah. Thinker. Um, the none of the things that Kyle actually was in life, right? And he just puts on this uh, fake. Um, he, he writes this fake journal, and, and everyone becomes like obsessed with Kyle, even though every, no one liked him. no one liked him. Nobody liked him. And I and it, and I think it's a very good satire. And I found this to be even more um, pointed now than when I first saw it. I, I don't know if you thought about this too, but. With the way that social media is and the way that people latch on to causes that are really popular or outrage culture where oh, people yeah. are just like clamoring to to take down someone. And I'm and I'm not talking about cancel anything. I'm talking about just like 
someone gets pissed at somebody for something and then suddenly all these strangers, these people who probably know nothing about the situation are just like calling for this person to be like killed. Like, you know, or just, you know, well, people people latching onto things when they really have no business doing so and really know nothing. Yeah, I'm reminded, I think uh, I'm going to probably misquote him here, but David Sedaris says something to the effect of um, tragedy makes us feel special. Yes. Right. Even the, if that tragedy isn't ours. Perfect right? quote. It, even yes. if it touches us, it somehow, for whatever reason in the human psyche, it makes us feel special. Yes. That's a great, great tie to this movie. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. And I, I guess, should we just preview the ending too? I mean, I'm going to want to yeah, talk absolutely. about it a little bit more later, but um, eventually this kind of, um, a, a, th- throughout all this, Lance is dealing with ver- uh, with a high level of jealousy um, he believes that his girlfriend is in, is kind of attracted to the other kind of younger, more attractive teacher at school. And she really does nothing to like make him feel not afraid of this. Yeah, not at all. But when when his son's popularity, uh, his po- posthumous popularity skyrockets, she means she kind of latches on to Lance um, even more fully, kind of stops flirting with the other guy. And it, it kind of eventually Lance gets driven a little mad by keeping up this disguise, this kind of fiction. And it kind of it breaks him in kind of a really funny way. We don't like see too much of this actually occurring, but I think that the scene where it does, where it becomes clear is, is very good. And he decides to just torpedo the whole thing, right? As the school library is about to be dedicated in Kyle's honor. Yeah. And, um- we yeah. should also mention that there's this very derpy kind of dipshitty picture of Kyle um, oh. that Kyle always flips <laughs> down because he hates because he thinks he looks like a dummy in it, which he does. Um, but it becomes kind of like his symbol after his death, This, uh, which is also ironic and hilarious because he hated it. And it's a terrible picture. When I uh, well, since seeing this movie the first time, like in the 10 years since I cannot I've never stopped thinking about this picture. <laughs> I this this picture made me just like go dehydrated from crying so much laughing the first time I saw this movie. I guess could not stop laughing at it. And it's still so funny. It's so funny. And it pops up the entire movie. And it's like the only picture of Kyle. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, anyway. It's yes. not even a recurring joke. It's just like a thing that keeps popping up, and it made me chuckle almost every time. Yes, same. Yeah. So what works about this movie for you? Uh, several things work for me. I would say uh, more things work than don't. Agreed. So we talked about it but, uh, a little bit at the top, but we can kind of go into more depth now. But uh, this is a subtle, low-key Robin Williams that really works to me. Yeah. Um, and part of it is, uh, you know, th- this is a comedy. It's a satire. Um, but there's elements of drama, and I think he sells it on all fronts. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes, his his comedic timing. It's Robin Williams, so it's it's perfect. But um, especially for kind of low key moments, uh, particularly when he's bouncing off of, of Kyle's friend Andrew. Um, <laughs> like there's a moment in uh, at the very end of the film where uh, you know the lie has been revealed and kind of everyone. Yeah. Is but Andrew comes to say, you know, hey. I actually think you're a good writer. I think you should keep writing. I I kind of always knew it was you. And Robin Williams asks him, you know, like, hey, what are you doing right now? Do you want to, you know, do you want to do something? Do you want to hang out? Yeah. Uh, would you like something to eat? And Andrew responds with, I'm a vegetarian, which he had said previously. In the movie. <laughs> and Robin Williams, like, just, I it's, know. A bl- it's a blink and you miss it. But just his kind of like sigh and turn and just goes, 
I know. Yeah. Um, just the very subtle things like that, you know, elicited a huge laugh from me. Um, again, like, God, he, Robin Williams was a treasure and he could do so much. And, um, you know, I think it's a little bit of a tragedy that he's known for these really big maximal performances when uh, he was also really adept at navigating, you know, material like this. Yeah. If we didn't say it earlier, this is not a showy performance in the slightest. It's really no, it's really not. Um, he and that's the thing, too. It's a performance where uh, he's really not the one delivering kind of big zingers and punchlines. He's reacting and it's his reactions that are funny, which is a really fine line to walk with comedy. It's it's trickier than being the one to kind of deliver yeah. those, you know, big one line. And you're not particularly supposed to like him, but he's not the most unlikable character. And Robin Williams brings a likability and sweetness to him who to a character who is also a bit of a selfish dick, who's like a liar, self-centered, envious, covetous at times. But I wouldn't say that he's just this He's like an anti-hero. He's not like a villain by any means. I mean, even though he does a very, very horrible thing, I, I find myself like, like when he has the kind of relief when he admits his lie at the end of the movie, you kind of, at least, and it's also kind of aided by the way the the film decides to portray his like being free of this, like being free of his shitbag son and free of the lie is like he strips naked well, he and runs. Um, we'll, 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 let's talk about it a little bit more actually, because I, I have a whole thing on the ending. Yeah, um, yeah. But like you kind of you feel good for him. I do at least. Yeah, they do a good job of making him all those things you said, you know, um, self-centered a bit and uh, things like that. But also showing kind of how long suffering he is, especially at the beginning of the movie with Kyle. Um, and uh, just a little preview. My number two thing that works is Kyle. All caps. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll talk. Let's do that one next. I, I've got a couple of things. About, uh, I've, I've got a lot of the same things that you have, I think. So let's. Let's finish Robin Williams and then we'll yeah, we'll go right to Kyle. Um, yeah, but they, they do enough to show you that he he's got shit. He's long suffering. He's got shit to deal with. Right. He's divorced. Yeah. Uh, there's just a reference to his ex-wife. But uh, Kyle mentions that she has a, quote, boy toy, um, which probably doesn't feel great. You know, no. um, you've got this horrible shithead teenage son. Uh, you have this relationship that you want to be excited about, but that for whatever reason, the other person, uh, this art teacher, is keeping secret while also pretty openly uh, flirting with another guy. Like you you see this guy and you can see that he's going through a lot and it doesn't forgive kind of the shitty, selfish things he does. Um, but at the same time, there was like a part of me that's kind of like you deserve this a little bit mm -hmm. like you deserve kind of the success yeah, as like weird like and poor up guy. as it is that you're getting. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's funny because he's actually a little defensive of it of Kyle. Like he his Kyle clearly has a learning disorder, but he doesn't want to admit that his son has that. But he, he does defend Kyle a little bit, like throughout the movie, even though I mean, he fully acknowledges that Kyle was a shit. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, he's he is his dad. It's not like he's like, I hate my son, I'm glad he's dead. Like, I don't get that feeling. But you do feel a sense of relief that he that he feels at the end of the movie. But I mean, he 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 has like a, the interaction with Andrew that you mentioned at the end is is kind of like very very sweet. Like he becomes almost like it's insinuating that he's becoming an adoptive father to Andrew a little bit. Yeah. And but like other like things about him, like I love that he, he has this love of movies. He's got like a the thing poster on his wall. Yeah. He's got a two thousand one yeah. Space Odyssey shirt. Yeah. Um. I love his interactions with his next door neighbor who's a hoarder. 
um, who like lo- they love zombie movies. I just I love that like kind of those like little details about him, and they don't feel forced. They they they, and it's honestly it's all Williams. He's just selling this all. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to mention about it is his acting in the scene where he discovers his son's dead body. Yeah, is yeah. really really good i think it's a really smart choice to have no sound and just have a song playing like he's screaming like like howling and he's like curling up in a wall in a ball sorry and there's like only non-diegetic music playing like it it, and then it the movie well i i I want to say more about this in the context of another thing that works but yeah that in in terms of the performance just outstanding there's like a weird level of confidence to even include that scene and that performance because I feel like a lesser writer director would feel like, Oh, I'm going to lose, you know, this has been mostly comedy. I might lose the audience here. Yeah. Um, And there was a, there's a way you could have cut this or, you know, written it to make it kind of less like devastating, but you're right. The sound drains out. You just see him screaming and like kind of rocking. And it doesn't shy away from that. Um, really good good stuff yeah and, and man what a risk to make this like it's not in terms of like people will hate it it's like this is an extremely hard tone to pull off like the the, the juxtaposition of the the darkness of this movie with its with its comedy like I, I don't know how you achieve that balance but man this is the that scene where he cries or when, when he finds his son's body is like the perfect example of how the movie kind of nails the balance of its tone yeah and as i was saying it out loud i i I feel like the word confidence like i feel like this is a confident film on most levels yeah 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 i agree should we do Um, kyle yeah kyle i have all in my notes all caps exclamation point kyle (laughs) (laughs) i mean he does Um, everything bad like calls his dad by his first name I mean, anyway, sorry. It's just so he's so awful. Just like <laughs> it's for, funny when he dies, but it's also yeah. Sad. Well, to I mean, to give a couple examples, like his only friend is this kid Andrew, who's very meek and very sweet, and um, you would think like they would have a positive relationship, but no, Kyle treats him like shit too. Um, yeah, and, uh, and Andrew also, thinks that Kyle sucks. Oh yeah, um, but you get the impression that like they're all the other has, like they're kind of the both unpopular kids at the school. Yeah. Um, also Kyle like it's not just that he's you know again not to yuck anyone's yum but he would be labeled by most people quote-unquote a pervert um, you know and it's not just that he autoerotically asphyxiates um, he's also into like shit porn he also <laughs> is fascinated and turned on by watching the elderly you know zombie loving hoarder neighbor change yeah um which can we talk about the mechanics of how he's able to watch her through the window when they're next door neighbors that share a wall i yeah yeah i i i didn't uh i actually have some nitpicks and that wasn't one of them that i wrote down but you're absolutely right that is i did question that when you see the outside of their houses like they're adjacent it's like a duplex almost like yeah but um, but yeah, he's not just like a pervert. He's like creeping on old ladies. He likes German Shiza porn. Um, he talks about when um, <laughs> when Andrew is mentioning uh, the journal to Robin Williams character. Andrew comes to Robin Williams character and says like, hey, you know, I really I, I didn't know Kyle like this. I don't think he wrote <laughs> this. 
He's like, there's no mention of fisting. There's no mention of felching. felching no yeah. mention. I wrote that down too. It's, it's yeah, it's a little light in the felching department. Yeah, <laughs> like Kyle is just a shit bag. Like just yeah. absolutely horrible. And I I cracked up when he's like when he's driving in the car uh, when they're driving to school uh, early on, and um, Lance is just like putting on Bruce Hornsby. He's like, do you? <laughs> Kyle's like, I hate music. And then he goes, yeah. I hate watching movies. <laughs> what does he like? He likes playing video games and watching porn. And vaginas. And vaginas. Um, yeah. I or like he'll do things like uh, you know, Robin Williams asks, you know, hey, let's do something. Um, and he's like, Okay, well, uh, you know, let's go to the mall and look for a new computer. And Robin Williams is like, I'm not getting you no computer. And he's like, Oh, dad. I just said, look for one. I didn't say buy one, <laughs> which is just such a shitty teen thing to do. Yeah. And then it cuts to the mall. And of course, he's bought him one. And then he's just always doing this complaining about how small it is. How small the screen is. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, Edgar. So this is the sign when a performance uh, or a character is well written. Uh, when they're gone, you want more of them, right? Uh, <laughs> when Ed, When Kyle died, like five minutes after Edgar turns to me and he's like, I want him. I want more Kyle. I want Kyle back. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of do too. In a way, I was kind of like ready for him to die rewatching it. Um, he's so aggressive. And he, <laughs> I mean, yeah, some of the funniest parts of the movie are when he's still alive. There is a but... great montage after he's dead uh, where everyone's kind of thinking about him and yeah. the way they treated him. And there's like the ghost of Kyle, but like kind of how they imagined him. So um, the, the principal suggested that Kyle go to a special needs school. And so in his vision, Kyle is like getting on a short bus wearing like a helmet. Whereas Andrew, who never realized that Kyle was apparently this deep thinker, Kyle has like a, a beret and like a goatee that he's stroking. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like the many faces of Kyle. I thought that was hilarious as well. So I actually I wrote this as something that didn't work for me. And I and I like I feel like it's an artistic choice that seems almost a little cheesy. And maybe it's like it's something that could have been done differently. Like I, I, the idea of all of them all like trying to think of Kyle as a certain in a certain way, in a, and it's fun, particularly funny that none of them think of him in the way that he actually was. I wonder if there was another way to convey it, or if the movie already did convey it, and it didn't need to be like like the ghost appearing, like where people are just connecting with the suicide note. I don't know. It seemed like a little much. Yeah, I I like the way they did it, but I feel like um. Either, you know, it could have worked without or you could have dialed it up to like an 11 and just made Kyle's ghost like kind of ridiculous. True. In True. that scene. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anything else on Kyle? Uh, No, just again, like uh, this is a this is a great performance because, again, he leans into being deeply unlikable. Yeah. Um, which for an actor, you know, your job is to be likable. Uh, and there are not a lot of roles like this. Like Kyle's not like a villain villain, you know, he's not yeah. like a mustachio twirling, you know, villain, but even a lot of villains are like more redeemable than Kyle is. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle like, does taking, nothing redeemable. No. Taking this role for uh, the actor, like it's kind of a risk. You kind of risk yeah. turning people off to you in general. Uh, but I looked him up and he's doing just fine. Uh, he is either married to or partnered with Megan Trainer, and they have two kids. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Holy cow. He's doing I, he's doing real well. It is really it's a smart choice to make him 
have no redeeming qualities. Oh, yeah. They're not making Kyle nuance at all. Nope. He's just a piece of shit from start to finish. Yes. Um, similarly to how you have Kyle in all caps, I have Bruce Horns be in all caps. <laughs> please because give, I please give the context. I just so so Bruce Horns is Lance's favorite uh, artist, and like it, early on, he's putting uh, he pr- puts Bruce Horns be on in the car, and Kyle like <laughs> hates it. Um, and you think that that's just gonna be like a one and done, but no, it comes back. Multiple times, multiple, multiple times. And I, I, I think seriously, one of my favorite things of the entire movie was the goth girl coming up to him and saying, what was his favorite band? What was Kyle's favorite band after Kyle has died? And Lance saying, Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. <laughs> um. And then Bruce Ornsby shows up at the yep. library dedication. Yep. Does <laughs> like a song. I, Kyle, I didn't know Kyle was a big fan. I couldn't say no. <laughs> he uh, plays a song. And watching this, I'm like, oh, my God, they got Bruce Hornsby to do this. And I'm just thinking it's one of those things where, um, you know, like, uh, you know, those activists that throw paint, uh, you know, on uh, paintings. Uh-huh part of what they're doing it for is that now the act of vandalizing the painting will be forever tied to the painting so that anyone examining the painting's history will have to encounter this <laughs> act and this, this act of vandalism and the reason behind it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now Bruce Hornsby <clears throat> forever will be tied with world's greatest dad. <laughs> you know, the legacy will be wrapped up in it. That would have been, I mean, I would never be able to think of Bruce Hornsby without thinking of this movie. That's no, for sure. No, but now no. at, be, since like in the decade, like that has passed since I first saw this movie, or actually more than a decade now at this point, I think it's probably been like 13 years. Um, I have uh, like doubled down on my like fandom of like the Grateful Dead and he did a stint with the Grateful Dead. And and so like I know him for other things, but like this is I'll never stop thinking about this when I hear the name Bruce Hornsby. No, which is great. No. As Just you're on your deathbed. Such. Yeah. Such a great running joke. Oh, so good. Speaking of running jokes, let's talk about the picture really quick. Um, yes, please. You, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, it's one where Kyle's like, I look inbred. <laughs> um, yeah. he, you know, I love, 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 love how it keeps popping up. It's in the newspaper. It's people make T-shirts with it. It's the it's buttons. the one picture of him. There's that no other hates. pictures. It, it ends up on button pins like or, or like pins like that people put on their like to show support. Someone gets it as a tattoo. Yes. That joke, the joke with the picture never gets old. And it's not like people are, draw, they don't draw the, a ton of attention to it. Like Kyle talks about how he hates the picture early on, but then it, 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 the movie doesn't like make too big of a deal of it. No, it, it just keeps appearing over and over again. Um, one of my favorites is at the very end, uh, it's Lance and Andrew and uh, the hoarder neighbor. And they're kind of having the zombie movie marathon that, that had been talked about that, you know, had been canceled for various reasons. Um, and they're all sitting together kind of enjoying and uh, the picture is face down and the kind of the last parts of the movie is Robin Williams pops it face up and you get one last shot with both Kyle's kind of with them in spirit, I guess, but also yeah. you get, you know, his, his shitty picture one last <laughs> time. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the picture is great. Uh, another thing that I think works is uh, the supporting cast for the most part. Um, for the most like, part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and oftentimes in independent movies like this, it's kind of a who's who of um, like 
you know, bit player comedians that you know of or you've seen in other things, um, which is what I was expecting. And you get like Tom Kenny shows up and um, there's someone else, like one of the literary like book agent people I've seen in a bunch. Oh, of uh, Toby Huss, the guy who's yeah, trying to Toby like Huss. sell his book. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you get that a little bit. But for the most part, the supporting cast, I, I had never really seen in anything else before. Yeah. But I think they're quite good. Yeah, they are good. And I think Alexis Gilmore is the one who plays Miss Reed. Is that her name? Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, she is not in really many other things. Or she is, but like very small parts. She is the star of that Bigfoot movie that Bobcat Goldthwait oh, okay. made. So I don't know. If you like her, maybe check that out. Uh, I didn't love her, honestly. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, that's, that's like a, I mean, we could, we could intersperse like what doesn't work with what works. I mean, cause I thought that like supporting cast wise, well, okay, I wouldn't say supporting. So she, it's not, maybe it's not as much her. I think it's her character. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably has the character like, as well. Is just, it doesn't make any sense to me. She's like a, the most like two dimensional, like flirty girl. And I just wish, I feel like you could have done more with her and given her more depth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, but just, yeah, just an example of supporting cast that like, get you know one moment but nails it uh two of the poetry students before the poetry class oh yeah it's really big um there's one um uh he's a black kid and he tries to pass off um under what, pressure what song is? under pressure as which song. plays at the end of the movie which yeah. plays at the end of the movie um but robin williams is like i you know i i know that and he kind of goes like well how and robin williams goes i'm white <laughs> um and then there's another poetry student ginger i think it is who reads a poem of like this really horrific poem about essentially an abortion, getting an abortion uh, or just a Robin, miscarriage or a miscarriage. I, I yeah. suppose. And Robin Williams kind of goes, Hey, you know, if you ever need someone to talk to, um, you know, I'm here. And she just kind of looks at him and goes, why? <laughs> so, like just small, you know, like they're thankless roles. They're very small moments, but like just the people they get to play them nail it. Yeah. Yeah. And then plus they've got um what's his face from Dexter. They do. I I Principal. can't remember the guy's name, but uh yeah. he plays a good like asshole boss type. Yeah. He's usually uh, which is what he is here as the principal. Yeah. Yeah. Um I like when they're on the golf course and he goes, "You know, I love Kyle's line in the journal. America is the greatest country ever stolen." <laughs> and it's just like, why would he even write that? Why would that be in Kyle's journal? <laughs> The movie does such a good job of establishing who Kyle is. So the, like it really makes the journal like 10 times funnier. But even if he was this tortured, dark, depressed teen, why would he be writing about like America as an yeah. institution? I feel like Bobcat Goldthwait like gave this direction to Daryl uh, uh, Severo or whatever his name is. Um, it's like you cannot show the slightest bit of humanity or else it will make people think that you might have actually been able to write this poetry. <laughs> Yes. And like, I, I, well, well done to him, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? I, I, I think for what works, the only other major thing I had written actually. Well, I, so we sort of touched on like these moments of humanity, like the moments with his neighbor and when he says he misses his son and you can tell he actually means it like the suicide note actually does help people like a student comes out and like others get interested in poetry. And it's like very it is very sweet, like. You almost don't want it to be torn down, but you know, because it's a movie, it's going to. But like in that sense, um, kind of along those lines, 
I think the premise really works. I think it's a smart idea. I mean, we talked about like pulling off the balance of comedy and tragedy and kind of nailing it. And, you know, this isn't the first time you've seen like a writer, a struggling writer who's desperate to get published. It's been done before. But putting that in this plot that as you very like I didn't even occur to me, but you mentioned that Dear Evan Hansen just totally like rips oh, off it, like almost legally actionable. Like, like it's crazy. Really funny. I I, I mean, it, obviously, when I first saw this, I, Dear Evan Hansen didn't exist. But now that it does like, holy cow. Um, but yeah, it just I think the premise is really great. Really works for me. Yeah. And again, it's it's the kind of thing with like you could explain this plot to someone in bullet points and you could have various reactions to it, um, you know, in lesser hands with a lesser director. This could have spun out into something much more tasteless. Yeah. Um, and something that doesn't work. But uh, again, I think it's I think it's there's there's a there's a through line of humanity through all the darkness and through kind of the satire. Uh, and Robin Williams really carries that. And yeah. I think that's what ultimately makes the film work. Yeah, agreed. Um, are we ready to talk about? Oh, well, actually, just a couple of little shout outs to things that work that I think were were funny. Um, I like that they specifically mentioned that they're going to Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. Um, and the place that they go could not not be. Outback it's like an Steakhouse Italian anymore. restaurant or something. It's, yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like that the the school mascot is the fighting pugs, yeah, uh, which they show a couple times, and then they show an actual pug, and it's very cute. It is cute. I've got two bonus to shout out, and then I have one more thing that works, and maybe I don't know if it's gonna be something that doesn't work for you. Um, so I'll I'll end on it. But um, two two random moments. Uh, when he when when he's cracking up on this Oprah like show, like Doctor Dana, Doctor Dana, yeah. But when he's when he's on when he his name first appears, like on the TV, like the his like name line says like lance clayton son killed himself <laughs> yes and so so two things with dr dana uh, it's not a doesn't work for me but i kind of wish they had done more with dr dana like made her kind of a bigger care not like bigger in the sense of like having more screen time but like bigger more bombastic like comedic character like she's very uh, kind like of, a like a send-up of oprah yeah, a little bit. Um, but that was the other thing, too. Like, I was kind of expecting, you know, being a comedy movie, every time they cut back to him, it would be something different and it would be kind of something funny um, hmm. under his name, but which they don't do. Um, missed opportunity, but, you know. Yeah, a little bit of a missed one. And I love the moment where he's like walking outside and he is looking at a at like a magazine stand and there's porn there and you can't even see it because it's got it's got cardboard <laughs> it's got in the, the way of yeah. and he just starts crying <laughs> the idea that he would be crying thinking remembering his son when he looks at porn is such a good idea well and then the the salesman kind of looks at him and there's this awkward moment where he just kind of shuffles over to him and puts his arm around him as Robin yeah. williams is sobbing um and then you can see the titles of the magazines you obviously can't see the pictures but it's like you know, I don't. I don't even know what. I feel like it was were. like ass school or something. It's like, like that. yeah, like ass school and like just ridiculous. And he's yeah. bawling into the arms of this like porn salesman. So here's my segue to the end of the movie, which does work for me uh, mostly. And I, so the my segue is that the guy who comes up to him at the magazine stand is the bassist in Nirvana. I think his name's Chris Novoselic or something like that. Really? Yeah. And the ending is a reference to 
the cover of Nirvana's yeah, Nevermind. It is. I did not even think about that. So we mentioned earlier that Lance like strips, like as he's running through the school, once he's admitted his lie, he just runs away from everybody and strips naked and dives into the pool. He uh, it's mentioned earlier that he was a diver. Um, and that's <laughs> his son is like, that's not a real sport. It's just falling. <laughs> it's just falling. Yeah. Um, and he like he just dives naked into the water and we see like a little bit of like nudity on Robin Williams's part, um, junk hanging out and all that. And like that, that's I feel like and he's almost like born anew, um, like the baby in on the cover yeah. of Nevermind. Um, yeah. So yeah. that was interesting that I, I, I didn't know. I mean, I, clearly it was intentional, um, but I, you know, didn't know that Bob Get Goldthwait was a big uh, Nirvana fan. But regarding the ending overall, um, I. And this was something that this was the thing that like Roger, I don't have his exact quote, but my, my what I wrote down was you have to wonder if this wasn't the original ending. Does this I feel had... like a bit of a like a crowd pleaser type ending, despite the movie being what it is? And, I had and, similar thoughts. And it's it's like. So and Roger Ebert's thought uh, that branched off from that. This is not what I wrote down, but he, uh, Roger Ebert essentially like contemplated that like he feels like there's like a darker, more cynical and fucked up version of this movie that exists that or that existed and th- that like maybe it should have been even darker. Yeah, I agree. And I, um, I I feel like I I think I like this version. I mean, and I'm not saying the other ver- another version couldn't have been good, too, or even better, but I, I'm I'm happy with this the way it ends. I'm happy with it. And I, I like the ending. I like, I just like the, the scene at the end with all of them watching the movies on the couch. Um, it's, it's a kind of feel good moment. Yeah. Um, and especially like Andrew, they mentioned that, you know, his mom's an alcoholic, his dad's not around like Andrew clearly has not a great life. So I kind of like that. Andrew gets a happy ending. Um, to me, what doesn't work though, is, uh, we don't really get a sense of why he flips in that moment. He says there's a line afterwards where he says, like, I used to think uh, something to the effect of like, I used to think the worst thing in the world was feeling lonely. But now I realize the worst feeling in the world is being surrounded by people and still feeling lonely. That's a great line. And that's a great sentiment. Yeah, I just wish that had come first or before Hmm. and kind of been demonstrated a little bit more. Because as it stands, this kind of the flip kind of feels like, well, the movie's ending. We this is a liar revealed story. The lie has to be revealed somehow in some way. I was expecting it to come through Mike, uh, the other teacher who they show is investigating Kyle's death. Yeah. Um, just kind of very briefly. Um, but it comes through Robin Williams. And I, I like to me, it doesn't make sense that he breaks in this moment because yes, like he's kind of un- inundated before he gets on the stage with like all the people telling him the effects that this lie is having on them. Yeah. And I get that someone might break because of that, but I just needed a little more show and not tell. Well, he, he, I feel like that's what the Dr. Dana's scene is supposed to be. I mean, I agree that the movie kind of wraps up quickly and I don't necessarily mind that, but his, like he's being like all this praise is being like thrown at, his son, like the entire movie. And then when it becomes very public and he's on Dr. Dana and like a very large audience is doing it. And this popular talk show host is doing it. That's when he starts to break. He starts cracking up. Cause he like, he can't even talk, like pretend to lie about his shithead son anymore. Cause it's such a lie. And I love, I love, love, love how he just starts. He loses it. He just starts like cracking up. He's not crying or anything like that. I guess. But then, 
you know, make have the flip take place in that mode. Like if yeah, little, maybe I, I see what you're saying and I agree. It just felt a little too disconnected. Maybe it could have been more public, but I also like you know a movie's gonna end like this with this get him getting his comeuppance. And I'm actually really glad that Mike had nothing to do with it. In fact, I think the whole side plot of Mike doing his investigation is a flaw of the movie and goes nowhere. And I actually would prefer it not have been in the movie at all than it for yeah. it, it to have gone somewhere. Agreed. Um, I, yeah, because ultimately, and maybe that was part of an intended different ending that we didn't get. Yeah, and I also think it is funnier and more realistic for maybe more unrealistic or more realistic for Andrew to really be the only one doubting this. Maybe it's not more realistic, but it's funny for Andrew to be. I would prefer Mike not have doubts, and for him to have also been totally sold by this, and for Andrew to be the only one who's like this totally doesn't check out yeah i mean it makes more sense because like mike doesn't really know kyle besides reputation andrew actually knew kyle yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i i also think the ending's funny just the way that he chooses to come clean instead of being having it be revealed like i think it it's funnier for him to be the one to dera- like derail his own lie because like he sees how much his writings are actually helping other students like he does it right on the heels of the gay student crying to him about how Kyle's book saved him. And he's yes. like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to undo all of this. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I, and that's kind of, you know, if you want to get meta about the bigger picture, mm-hmm. like ethics of the movie, it's like, which is worse? Like, is it, if it's helping people, even though it's this kind of horrific lie, like, is that as bad as revealing the truth? You know, like there's no really straightforward answer, which I think is also part of the movie's strength. Yeah. 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 Um, something else that doesn't work. Um, I feel like it leans on um, too many songs, too many song montages. Interesting. Um, too many songs telling you how to feel in the moment. Uh, too many songs with lyrics that are a little too on the nose. That is, that, that, oh, yeah, definitely that. And I, I kind of appreciate the movie trying to be so commercial and like the songs definitely add to that. Like the idea of a movie like this, like, cause I, you could, I could picture like the a 24, like really dark, gritty comedy, like satire, of, like this kind of equivalent that isn't making any efforts to be commercial, but is like beloved by like by critics and things like that. I kind of like the, I mean, I would love that movie. But I kind of like this movie's effort to try to have a semblance of commercial, like a commercial appeal, even though it bombed. Yeah, didn't, and the, didn't work for it. The but. songs definitely serve. I mean, under pressure massively, you know, I mean, I'm, one, the song that plays I when, mean, he, that when his works. son dies, too. Like, I love the under yeah. pressure moment. Um, It yeah, really yeah. adds the emotion of the movie. But yeah, the song that plays when his son dies is like super on the nose. Yeah, that that was where immediately I wrote my notes. I was like, songs, question mark. Like, do mm. we need them? Yeah. That's a fair um, point. Yeah. The only other things I have that don't work, well, I have, I have like two, three nitpicks, and then I'll just mention that. I mean, the, the, I get that it's, it's helping establish Kyle as a real piece of shit, but like the, the slurs are so yeah. like 2000s, yeah. you, you know? Could have, you could have made him just as unlikable um using without language. it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah didn't didn't need to do that. it was a, a very much a product of uh the comedies of that era yeah um so some nitpicks why on earth would you tell your crappy son that you're dating a teacher when Secretly. no one's supposed to know yeah, yeah. 
I I, th I thought the same thing, and I thought the movie was kind of going to go in a different direction because of that. Um, but yeah, I was thinking like Robin Williams, you know your son, you know this is a horrible idea to tell him. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, why would you not sleep with Miss Reed when she that wants was it? Strange. Why too. would you want to go back to Kyle? Kyle sucks. Yeah. Like you know Kyle's like you know your son. You know you're gonna go back home and he's not gonna want to hang out with you or anything. Yeah, I thought that was a little bizarre as well. And then I, I guess this contradicts something I said earlier, but for anyone who's met Kyle, I guess even if you're not his friend, would you really believe you wrote that stuff? I mean, I guess the, the commentary is on kind of like hive mind type stuff, right? Like where everyone believes it and everyone thinks it and it becomes cool to like Kyle and it's like a trend and everyone does it. But for people who like stop and think more often, like I feel like Andrew maybe couldn't have been the only one who doubted this. And I guess they try to show that Mike did, but like, I just don't Mike's Mike's coming from a place of jealousy. And so I don't think that works at all. But if you had like another, if you introduce another student character in a maybe slightly longer movie who also doubted it, or maybe an, an adult figure who's like, like Miss Reed meets him, like meets Kyle. And like anyone, but an idiot would know that Kyle sucks just from that one meeting. Like what's, what's with this kid? So I don't know. It just feels well, like later. And then later he like he reads, you know, purportedly from Kyle's journal all about how, you know, well, I'm glad that my dad is in good hands with her and all this shit where it's like, mm, I think if I were Miss Reed, I would not have at all gotten that impression from Kyle from that meeting. And I yeah. would not take that journal entry necessarily at face value. Yeah. 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 Um, do you have any other things that don't work? No. I mean, honestly, like I said, I, to me, what works pretty much uh far outweighs what doesn't work this is a definite recommend for me awesome glad to hear it and, and did Edgar feel similarly he did um he loved it again he wants more Kyle he wants a Kyle spinoff I'm, I'm so glad to hear that because I just had a feeling that you would both like it not to like there's something about there was just some gut feeling I have where I'm like I think Edgar is gonna really like this movie he did he really did I'm, I'm so glad and so um glad. I this is a side note but um I feel like and maybe you would agree or maybe it's just me I feel like recommending comedies is like the most fraught of the recommendations because I feel is. like comedy is so specific to the person in a way that like drama is not. That said, I do think that generally when someone's like, I like dark comedies, you can kind of recommend any dark comedy under the sun and that person's not going to get mad at you if they don't like it. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I think it's it's all fair game. Um, The only other thing I, I there's a note I made that I forgot to mention earlier, it's kind of just not really connected to anything we were just talking about, but I think a good example of the balance of the tone again is in the scene where he discovers him um, dead, which is one thing that we didn't mention earlier is that when he's out to dinner oh with God, yes. his son and Miss Reed or like Lance um, or uh, Kyle takes an upskirt picture of Miss Reed underneath the table. Cause Several of them. he's such an awful person yeah. and that's what he's masturbating to. And after like the moment of him, like the really emotional moment of him finding Kyle dead, he then finds the picture on the screen of what he was jerking off to and like looks at his phone. And that is when like the comedy comes flushing in. It's like this is like kind of like dramatic, but also a little darkly funny. And then it just kind of shifts that and within that scene to, OK, you're supposed to laugh now. Yeah, it's. It's a choice, uh, but I feel like it works. It works for me. This is, movie is not for everyone. It's certainly no. not for kids on Disney+. No, Plus. no, 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 no. no. Uh, 
yeah. for those that love the genie, this is not that. Turn off your kid. Turn on the kids' uh, mature filter if you're a parent. Yes, on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of difficulty thinking about how this could be a video game. I don't know about you. So much difficulty. I feel like Telltale is our default when we yeah, are having trouble, yeah. and that's what I wrote down. But I couldn't even picture how it would work. So I, the only thing I could think of is, and again, this is, I didn't love the like very minor subplot of Mike investigating uh, Kyle's death. It's literally just a shot of him looking at a police report and Robin Williams, like looking at him. I think he he might meet with Andrew or another student. There's like a shot. maybe. Maybe. But the only thing I could think of was you play as Mike investigating the death of Kyle Phoenix Wright style, looking for inconsistencies (laughs) in the story and people's stories about Kyle. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is just a straight up 1995 2D platformer where you're Robin Williams and you throw magical journal pages at negative feelings. <laughs> how about um, how about a meta game where it's like a first person shooter where all of the the enemies are Ben Platt in Dear Evan Hansen and you're just <laughs> shooting them all. You imposter, you fraud. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, everyone. We this this was a struggle because um, it doesn't get much better um, when it gets to fan fiction. Um, would you want to live in the world of this movie? I mean, our world. It's, it, it's just our world. I, I, I'll I live in it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> it's funny that I didn't even realize this. Like, I, I, when I, what, I don't really think about our categories and our, our, our like our, our little segments at the end when I'm trying to decide like what movie to recommend that we do or video game. Um, had I given this a thought, I hope I hope I wouldn't have like backed down and not picked it. But like, there's this is not a good one for our our segments. No, well, I'll, okay, I'll say this: I do want to live in this world over ours because in this world, apparently, Doctor Phil does not exist, and oh, Doctor yeah, Dana sure. does instead. And I, Doctor Phil's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> sure. So I'll take Doctor Dana. All right. Yeah. So I found no fan fiction. None. No, I so I did find uh, I because I used a bunch of different search terms and combination. To try I tried to, too, but I, think I came up with nothing. Um, I did find like kind of a think piece about Robin Williams and suicide and this movie. It's not really oh. fan fiction, but it was like someone's personal blog post. Hmm. Um, and I didn't read it all the way through. Um, but, uh, I, you know, is it the elephant in the room? Should we bring it up that, you know, unfortunately, Robin Williams ultimately took his own life? Was it in a similar way? Not, or, sorry, not not in that way, but the way that he stages his son. Wasn't he, it a yeah, hanging? He, he hanged himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did think about that during the movie, and it gave me a moment of sadness, um, real sadness, so, not like movie sadness. Yeah, true sadness. Um, and you know, like I'm, gl- you know, we always say, uh, our, I'm glad that that exists. I'm glad that someone saw this movie and decided to write, you know, like get their emotions out about all that. But it's yeah. not quite fan fiction. No, not quite. But um, I mean, more thoughtful than most fan fiction. Yeah, my imagined fan fiction would just be like, give me more Kyle, like Kyle and life <laughs> doing shitty Kyle things. So I my answer to like, should there be fan fiction for this is no. Yeah, I think no. it's fine as no. it is. And my fan fiction isn't really fan fiction. It's more of just like an extra scene I think should have been in the movie. I would have loved a funeral sequence oh, with, the, with yeah. the picture up. With a, a Bruce Hornsby song is playing as he's lowered <laughs> into the ground. 
and that's it. And there's no dialogue, and it's just that. That scene, that like, it's right there. How did he not do yeah. that? That had to have existed in his mind at some. Maybe point. it just got cut. Maybe they did have it. I I've I've looked to see like when I was trying to find some kind of development stuff, I was looking for like earlier drafts of the script or or cut scenes, and I found nothing. Oh, actually, uh, kind of fan fiction-y um, and also what works. Um, you know, we uh, Kyle's mother is mentioned, right? And her boy toy is mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm glad that we don't see anything from her. We do not hear anything from her um, because I feel like that would have muddied the water. And I feel like there'd be a temptation to make the mother like a character. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we avoided all of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, world's greatest dad. Sure was. Um, I would say he's not the world's worst dad. Like there are worse dads than him in this film. He's not the greatest, but he's no, not, not the, the worst. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what have you been doing lately? I don't know why I just sighed. <laughs> Nothing to sigh about. Oh well, you know. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I have been meaning to play more Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, in anticipation for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, uh, which is coming out next month because I want to finish Remake. Uh, but I've been distracted by a lot of Overwatch. Um, and can classic. I tell you something? Uh, yeah, classic. Classic me. Um, but I had the biggest D-squirt I think I've ever had playing <laughs> Overwatch the other day. Oh, Someone happened? specifically went in the comments to mention me. I, I play Mercy. I'm a Mercy main. Um, and specifically went in the comments to type out, this mercy is awesome. Um, and I could have oh, died right there. I love when, I mean, I haven't had that happen in a long time since, because I, mainly because I'm not really good at competitive first person shooters. And even when I was like, had good games back in like college, like maybe one time ever somebody like complimented me at the end. But I, I can relate. So, Feels sort really of. great. Yeah. Feels really great. Um, in terms of other stuff, uh, I've been reading, um, I don't know why, I'm on a Lovecraftian Cthulhu kick as well, and I found a book of short stories that I had owned but lost, and it's called Acolytes of Cthulhu, and it's essentially a collection of stories by other authors in the Cthulhu mythos, uh, or mythos, and Neil Gaiman's one of them, and a couple mm. other authors, uh -huh. um, and if you're looking for some creepy Lovecraftian-related short stories, check it out, um, called Acolytes of Cthulhu. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, also, sorry, been thinking uh, other things. Watched, uh, did I mention American Nightmare last time? Um, I don't think so. It is a trending uh, documentary on Netflix, three episodes, and it's about a kidnapping. Uh, it's about oh. a very crazy kidnapping. Yeah, you might have. Yeah. I know you've been watching a lot of documentaries lately. I have, actually. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, Making my way through Golden Sun, it, I don't know if it's just the post um, three times speed um, wow, EXP yeah. boost gill yeah, boost yeah. kind of era we live in, but man, does it feel slow compared to when it was uh, when it came out. Yeah. But what's I, the, uh, I'm what's still the, enjoying how long it to beat on that. Golden sun one, I think is 20 hours. I'm using a guide. I feel like it'll probably take me about that long. Um, it's a guide game. I mean, uh, there's no reason to play it without a guide now I'd say. Yeah. But but it's also not a very hard game to miss anything, though. It's kind of a I mean, it's an easy game that I would say doesn't really require grind. It's a game I, I'm not grinding in, which is nice. Um, maybe I would. I would, though, if it was like three times speed. Um, let's see. I watched Chainsaw Man, which I thought was very funny. I would recommend it. Uh, okay. The anime. What did you watch that on? Crunchyroll. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
And I've watched a lot of movies in the last week. I'm going to just highlight like four of them. One, I finally saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, Miranda and I really liked it. I heard it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I saw this movie Dream Scenario. You you would like this movie if okay. you haven't seen it already. It I'm is not. about uh, the premise is Nicolas Cage. There you oh, go. Well, here we go. Plays a family man who suddenly there's this like phenomenon that, uh, that occurs across the globe where he keeps appearing in people's dreams. Hmm. And it's just really fascinating to, to like where that goes. I'm not going to say anything about where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So like just random people who have never met him before. He just keeps appearing in their dreams and it just kind of turns this man's life upside down. I like that. Um, so yeah. yeah. Two others I'll shout out. One is uh police story three super cop. It's a Jackie Chan um michelle yo movie great stunt work in it watched that last night and then afterlife which is a drama a japanese drama about uh also a very good premise where it is about this kind of group of people who run this facility and the whole point of this facility is that when you die people come to this facility or like a subset of people because there's so many of them apparently many of these facilities um, these, you, you, when you die, you go to this facility and then you are then tasked with coming up with a single memory that you get to take to the afterlife. And the people that want, run this facility, they are also dead. Their job is to help you find that memory and then to recreate it and film it so that you can keep that forever in the afterlife. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it for us. Um, probably should say that it's, it's very yeah. possible that, I mean, I guess it's been possible, but it's possible that, uh, we might have a hiatus for a while because my son could come really at any time now between now. And I guess I mean, it's definitely going to come in the next two weeks. So, uh, due date is, is in about a little over a week or a week from when this episode comes out. So, all right, I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Sure. Day of birth, right? Miranda's looking golden and radiant. As always, she's yeah. She's giving birth, as always. Um, you see something coming out, and it's green. Okay? <laughs> you don't get delivered a baby. You get delivered a Grinch. Oh, no. What do you do? Um. Well, uh, after accusing her of cheating? <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe you have defective Grinch DNA. Oh, I was going to say, this is like kind of the plot or like the sequel to Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I mean, fair enough. What if you discover that you're actually like you have the Grinch genetic defect inside of you and you could just be <laughs> Grinching out all over the town having babies? Wait, 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 are you implying that if I had this defect, I would just then go start spreading my seed everywhere I all mean, over town? Don't... No. I'm... OK, <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't want anyone to have that. A lot of you're showing a lot of restraint. I would say I'm showing a, a normal human being's amount of restraint. <laughs> you're making, don't make me a martyr. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Yep. Bye, everybody.